chapter 12. Have, does anybody remember as a child, and some of you, um, I thought of this because uh, a couple weeks ago, we noticed a group of boys in our neighborhood were out playing basketball, and we told Wiley, our eight-year-old, we said, hey, you should go down the street and go play with them. And he's like, just go? I'm like, yeah, just walk down there, and you're going to play basketball. And this was a new concept to him. And it made me think, when I was a kid, when I was eight, uh, my mom didn't see me probably for days because I was down in the creek most of the time. And so it made me think about some certain things as a kid. You, you probably had certain games in your neighborhood as a kid. Like, for instance, this is where my thoughts went to. We played a lot of street ball, which was baseball in the street, okay? And you had certain plates, certain mailboxes were bases. You had certain rules. You know, if it hit that house, it was out. If it hit that tree, it was fair. All these different kinds of things. You had certain particular rules. But if I went one street over and played street ball, the rules would be vastly different, right? It'd be a completely different ball game over there because that house would be in and that tree would be out and all these different things would happen. So you have these different, uh, different rules for different games and, and it's all driven by a child's imagination. And so um, I was kind of thinking through some of this. This will get us into, that's the wrong pocket, that'll get us into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I see my children use their imagination quite often and play with different things that seemingly don't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, Wiley is real big into Lego, right? As I know several of you boys are. And he'll play with his Lego, right? And when you see someone playing Lego with different Lego, it's like, that makes sense. But when you see a Lego with a Hot Wheel, you're like, well, that doesn't go together, right? But it works, and I've seen the game, right? Now, um, I, I've seen, uh, especially my two little, little ones lately, they, they'll take all different kinds of their toys, and I've seen, um, I've seen this world uh, collide on multiple occasions. I've got Superman, and I've got a very decked out Barbie. And these two exist in the same universe when my children play with them, right? They go together somehow, some way. Usually Superman's saving Barbie. And somehow, some way, even though Superman can fly off, they, they magically ride off on a My Little Pony here somehow. <laughs> and it works. You know why it works? It's because all these different kinds of toys, not intended to be played together or, you know, exist together, they work because of a child's imagination, Right? They all go together. I've seen Lego guys work with Superman to defeat the bad guy. And I even have some Uno cards in here, which I won't pull out, because I've seen Uno cards become magic carpet rides, it seems like, and they'll take off, right? All of this fits together and they work together through a child's imagination. I want us to think about that as for one last time, at least through this particular message series. We anchor ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As we have done the last several weeks, I want us to pay attention to what Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when Paul says, Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 
is a pretty crucial passage, in my estimation, to Paul's entire letter to the church in Corinth. Because Paul, who has been talking about several different issues within the church that, he, that he's been told about within the church in Corinth, Paul's writing, and, and 1 Corinthians 12 gives this wonderful visual that is so easily, easily um, grasped, and it's the human body. Because every human has a body, and you understand not only how it works, but also the complexities of your own body. When things aren't working or think something's hurt, how the whole body is, is, is affected by that. And though your body is made up of vastly different members, limbs, or organs, it works together as one body. And Paul uses this visual, he uses this metaphor to give this idea, but within that, and there's one little part here in 1 Corinthians 12, and it's actually, you could go through many areas of the, the letter of 1 Corinthians, but you can see where Paul is talking about all these different toys, if you will, that work together, and they work together not because of the toys, they work together because of the imagination of the Spirit of God. Now, the toys that work together, Superman lives in the world of Barbie only because the child makes it happen. And the body that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that he says is the church, is the community, it is God's people, they work together not because they make it happen, it is by the Spirit of God. It is through the imagination of God's spirit that we are able to function as a community, as a church, as a body of believers. And here's how I know this. That little word in verse 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit. Now that word is a preposition. And before you start thinking, oh no, he's gone off the deep end and now he's going to start talking about prepositions. It's a pretty crucial word for us because Paul doesn't just simply talk about how the body functions which you know about he's talking about how the body functions from within and that preposition is very poorly translated in my opinion through the updated NIV right here by is a preposition but that word is in in the original language in on or among properly it is from within or inside so when Paul starts talking about the body, an easily, an easily uh, grasped visual for us, you know your body, you know it's made up of vastly different parts. Your liver is way different than your left foot. And those parts, though different, work together and function together. The body made up of many different parts, different members, limbs or organs is the actual word, they work together to form one body. And though different, they form one body. And Paul makes this, this easy connection that your body is like the body of Christ, the church. But within the church, all the different parts work together, not because the parts say, hey, we can do this. The parts work together because of the Spirit of God. Because the body is not by the Spirit, it's not from the Spirit, the body is within the Spirit of God. And there is a difference here. This is why I'm picking on a preposition this morning. Because the preposition isn't something, or the, it's not showing that the, that the Spirit brought us by, 
brought us to, the, the, the Spirit didn't bring us, the Spirit is in us. And through baptism, that we find the Spirit of God not something, an external factor, He is an internal factor. And so when Paul comes into this, it's where we were all baptized in one spirit. We were all baptized within the one spirit. We were all baptized among the one spirit to form one body. So all the differences actually function and work together, not because they are different, but because they are all the same in the spirit of God. God's Holy Spirit is crucial. It is vital. And it is important not only to the individual or to the members, but to the body its, itself. And I want us to start here. That unity is shared within. Unity is shared within. The body of Jesus Christ <clears throat> should be, needs to be, it's intended and supposed to be diverse and uniquely made up, just like your body. It ought to look and function differently than organizations outside of this world, organizations that want like-mindedness. They want you to punch the right ticket and say the right things and look and talk and act like certain ways so that you are a part of the ecosystem. That's not how the body of Jesus Christ works. It is supposed to be diverse. It should look differently. Everything from our skin color to our way of thought. And Paul describes a movement within the church that is not from itself. It's from the Spirit of God. Where the Spirit of God isn't moving by, He's not moving past, He's not moving beyond. The Spirit of God is moving within and among and inside of the body that is diverse. And diversity works. The differences work because there is one Spirit within all the members. You know, I want you to think back, if you were baptized, think back to your baptism for a moment. Coming up on my baptism birthday, February 19th. You weren't baptized by water. You know that, right? You were baptized in the water. And in the water, you discovered a watery grave. You found death. And in death, you were buried to the ways, the motives, the desires of this world. This place... This culture, this society, this way of life is not our guideline anymore when you went into the water. But you came out of the grave because the most Jesus thing there is is that you come back to life. Death is not final in the water. You went in the water, but you came out of the water, and you were raised up, and you were raised new. And guess what? When you came out of that grave, that watery grave, remember how wet you were? Remember how soaking wet you were from head to toe? Soaking wet in life, even though you just died. 
And it's that new life that began to dwell and it literally began to cover you and from within you something happened. It wasn't the external water. It wasn't the external grave of the water that you went into. It was within the Spirit of God began something new inside of you. And within you and among you, the life of God began to be raised new in you. You were reoriented into a new life and a new position. You were reoriented into a life that was centered not on this world, but on Jesus. Can you remember your baptism? And if you were not baptized, if you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, this is a way for us not to do something symbolic, but to quite literally change our lives where we are not oriented, we are not functioning as people of this world, we function as children of God because we don't live by the Spirit, we live with the Spirit, within the Spirit, amongst the Spirit, and together as a community. We live in unity that is shared within the baptism that we have all experienced. You didn't work for your salvation. And I feel like we need to be reminded of that pretty consistently. You did nothing. Not a thing. You deserved the watery grave. So did I. But that's not how Jesus works. In death, with Jesus, there is life. Because life comes from within. Life is built amongst the dwelling of the Spirit in us. And God's church, though diverse, though different, though you and I have come from different backgrounds, different states, different families, and we think about things differently, all of that is pleasantly good because God's body ought to function differently. We need a pinky toe, and we need a right ear, and we need a lung, and we need a right eye. We need the diversity of the body because what keeps us together is not our ability. It is the life that dwells inside of us and inside of this community. And this is Paul's grand message. This is Paul's grand hope to the church of first century Corinth, and I believe to the 21st century church of today. That we stop thinking, that we stop believing, and we stop functioning as if we've got it figured out and we can do it and we have done all these great things. There's nothing, this church does not exist by anybody's work or effort except the Spirit of God himself. The short history of the Heritage Church of Christ, of this community, is all because 1,000% because of the spirit that dwells amongst this body of believers. And we're in a cafeteria and we exist today as a community that identifies ourselves as Jesus believers because the spirit dwells amongst us and inside of us, within us. The Spirit didn't throw us up, uh, throw us by here and said, good luck. The Spirit brought us here, lives here, is with us and amongst us. And this is the message to which Paul is pushing on to the church. And it is a vitally important message for a church that wants to be more than a club 
that wants to be more than comfortable. Let me take you back all the way to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I referenced this just a, a little bit last week, but let's pick up in verse 10. Because we start to see just how difficult the church is in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul says to the church, I appeal to you. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Now, I'm going to read verses 11 through 15 in just a moment, but 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 is a pretty startling verse. Because it gives us great insight into why Paul feels he needs to write this particular letter to this church. Because there is a lot going on. Paul feels he has to appeal to them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has to call them into agreement. He has to, he has to call the church to, to take down their divisions, their hostility, their conflict. And he's got to bring them together in the same mind of Jesus Christ. This is not church. And too often the church allows conflict and differences to be our division maker rather than our unifier. The church is supposed to be different. We should not agree on everything, but we should live in love in every way possible. And Paul has to make this appeal. Picking up in verse 11, my brothers and sisters... Some from Chloe's household have informed me that, you will, that there are quarrels among you. There are conflicts. There are disagreements. There are fights among you. Verse 12, what it means this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow Cephas or Peter. Still another, I follow Christ. Paul's identified four divisions, four sects of the church immediately. So he asks these questions. Verse 13. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I didn't baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptized in my name. You see, if unity is shared within, what we begin to learn through the letter of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, is that divisions realized from the outside. Now, there are many things. There, there are there's other things going on, including incest and, and, and bad leadership within the church in Corinth, but Paul's primary focus seems to be about these inner fightings within the church. And I think he's, he focuses in on that because what they are doing is they are allowing this outward, this, this societal focus to be their divider rather than their unifier. Oh, we got different ways of thinking. Oh, I got this. Oh, this person's my leader. And so all of a sudden what happens is, is what is the body that claims to be unified in Jesus Christ is no longer unified. They find themselves divided from outward external focuses. Things that do not matter in the name of Jesus Christ. They think that they understand. 
And so you must be wrong if you do not understand. And all of a sudden you have factions. And all of a sudden you have turmoil. And all of a sudden you have fighting about many other things to which it ought to be and should be and needs to be discussed but dipped in love in every possible way. Paul talks about being perfectly united, which is another way of saying being restored into unity. Paul knows, and so we ask the question, is Christ divided? No, Christ is not divided. So God's people should not be divided. And I don't say these things, I don't bring up these, these kinds of things from 1 Corinthians because I feel or find or think that there is any particular division within this body of God, uh, the heritage body that God has brought together, but I think God's people ought to be aware. We ought to be on the lookout. We ought to sustain ourselves, not from the outward focus or the divisions that can bring, but we ought to sustain ourselves from within the Spirit of God. We ought to allow the imagination of God's Spirit to run and to, to run wild with us, to move us, to play with us, to put us into ministry, to put us into service, to take care of one another and to take care of the outsider. Because Christ is not divided by the outwardness or the outward focus. God, God's church is defined by the spirit within. So let me say one, one little focus here before we go to the end here. Unity does not mean uniformity that is not the message to which paul writes about in first corinthians and ephesians and in romans when he talks about the body paul would be disgusted by the idea of god's people thinking we have to be uniformed in thought and look and in action uniformity is the state of being of the same identical way unity is a state that is joined together as a whole. Jesus doesn't describe uniformity. Paul does not talk about uniformity. He talks about unity. People joined together to make a whole. Should we look the same? No. We should look much different than we are today. Should we have the same background? No. Should we be punching the same ticket and agreeing on all the same issues? Absolutely not, because we are not uniformed. We are unified. Diversity is a strength. And I dare you to find anywhere in Scripture where that is not the biblical truth. Diversity is a strength. And when God's people start to think that we have to be uniformed, the church is no longer the church of Jesus Christ. It is the church of of self so let me think of it this way real quick um, here is a picture of my family right all six of us is that all six yeah okay okay Woo! I thought man I messed up real quick um, <clears throat> you can think of it this way this is how I, this is how some gives you insight in how my brain works sometimes there's a picture of all of us and together um, you see us all together I can promise you my family is not uniformed. <laughs> they wear uniforms, but we're not uniformed. Okay. Um, 
one of the great privileges of being a dad is seeing my children grow to be different than their parents and to make their own choices, right? But I promise you this, there's unity in the six right here. And I appreciate that, that the, there's differences within my family and, and there's different ways of going about things and handling things. We're all learning with each other and we are mad at each other at times and for some reason we're upset and we don't know why and all these different kinds of things are happening. But within that diversity and sometimes those arguments and disagreements, we are unified. I think the same can be said for the church. You've heard church called family. And that's a right, good descriptor. Because within family, we may disagree, we may not understand, we may, we may be upset, we may, we may not totally understand this person or what's going on there, we may miss people from time to time. But within all of that, all those things that you can think about within your own family dynamic, there's unity. And we know it's God's family, God's church, God's body, as Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 12, because within that body, the Spirit dwells. And the differences and the diversity, they are pluses in God's family. And so here's how I want to land this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul talks about the body. And he goes on, we read some of this a, a few weeks ago, where if you know, the ear and the foot are having an argument, and the eye and the hand and all these different things, they, they don't stop being a part of the body just because they're upset. They're always and forever going to be a part of the body. And again, he's, refer, he's kind of harking back to the easy identifier of the human body here. You understand how that works. And he makes this very quick transition. If you, and if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, you, you know, I, I think I fell into this idea that 1 Corinthians 12, 31, well, that should really be 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Like, why is it there? Paul didn't write in chapters and verses, okay? We did that. I mean, not us, but you, the human collective, Right? But it fits, and here's why. Because Paul is bringing up this very easy, attainable grasp, uh, you know, we can grasp this visual, this understanding, and we can start putting this idea that God's body functions differently than any club or political ticket, right? We don't have to be uniformed, but in the spirit of God, within the spirit, we find unity. And out of that, that body functions differently. Not because of our ideas, but because of the imagination of the Spirit. It's like the toys being played by the children. All these different things come together and they work because within the game, so to speak, the Spirit moves. And Paul says, I will show you the most excellent way. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, one of the most popular wedding verses, Paul starts talking about what love is and what love is not. 
and I can do all these kinds of things. I can be these kinds, this kind of person, but if I do not love in what I do, then it's meaningless. That love is a unifying factor for God's people. It fits because the body is put together in a way that God has brought it together and it is diverse, it is unique, and it functions differently than any club or, or, or group outside of the church. And it, the church moves in such a way that you can identify it like a body. And that body now doesn't get comfortable. We're not wheelchair bound. We are to move. We are to function and minister. We are to go out into the world and be the love, the most excellent way, the body that lives out love in everything that we do. Go to this next slide for me. I don't need sound for it. Should pop up here in a second. This is a geyser at Yellowstone. This is Old Faithful. If it starts playing here in a second, it should. If not, then you at least got a still image of Old Faithful at Yellowstone National Park. Um, a geyser is a vent in Earth's surface, right? You may remember some of this from science class. It's quite literally, there is a buildup within the earth and the geyser will explode out usually uh, hundreds of thousands of gallons of hot water. That's what the geyser is. And if the video had worked, you would be watching Old Faithful right now. So you have to imagine it. I think 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 are like Old Faithful here. where it's put together in God's design, God's way, and within that body, we find purpose and not only motivation, but we find the, we find, uh, the, the mission of the body. But the mission is not to get comfortable. I promise you this, church. When we start breaking ground and building our first church home at 4900 North Broadway, we're not building a place to get comfortable. Your ministry life is going to get a whole lot busier when that place is built because we are not called to hold it all in. We're called to let it out. And the body ought to move. It ought to be working. It ought to be serving. It ought to be taking in everything that it can because the most excellent way for the body to live itself is to love in ministry. Love out onto other people. It is the most excellent way. Um, Chris, I'm going to come back to Ephesians 4, but go to that next picture for me. In 2021, the Taliban took over the country of Afghanistan. And since then, and really even right before the Taliban officially took over, you know a lot of this, but as a reminder, millions of Afghanis, uh, Afghanis have been fleeing their own country. Thousands of them have been coming to our country, and Oklahoma committed, the state of Oklahoma committed to um, rehome 1,800 Afghani refugees. As of last week, the number that I found was 1,028 Afghan refugees have been uh, resettled in our state. That's roughly 800 more to go. I got a call this week. And I have been uh, prayerfully considering and thinking and, and, and making contacts with different folks over the last several months. 
of how this young church can be a part of and do what is right in the most excellent way. And last week I got a phone call that there uh, is a family currently living in a hotel by Will Rogers Airport looking for a home in Oklahoma, an Afghan family. What I'm asking you, church, is is if we want to live the most excellent way and the most maybe profound yet simplest way is by adopting an Afghan family to care and to love for, to be a body that may think different things about Afghan refugees, but be a body that has an opportunity to live out love to a family that has gone through probably trauma that you and I could never possibly imagine, probably have gone from country to country to finally get to Oklahoma of all places, and looking for stability and security. I'm not asking for money. I think I got the money thing taken care of. I even got the home taken care of. What I'm asking for is for a church who wants to live out the most excellent way, and if you are interested and adopting and caring for, and I don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet, but if you want to be a part of caring for this Afghan family, all you have to do is come talk to me. I'm hoping within the next seven to ten days that we can get the apartment all settled and have the family move in. It'll be right down in Edmond by UCO, an apartment over there. We have opportunity. Because it's not just maps and names. Go to that next slide for me. It's faces and people. And the most excellent way to which God, to which Paul refers to, is that the body doesn't just sit and build a nice little building across the way that God's people move in loving ways. There is opportunity here for ministry and service, but there is opportunity for this body to live out what it's been called to live out in the most excellent way. Again, it's pretty simple. If you'd like to help, just talk to me. And we will help and love and care for a family in the most excellent way. I want to end this morning with Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4, 5, and 6. Um, Paul talks, Paul's the only one in the New Testament who uses the body imagery. He uses it in 1 Corinthians, he uses it in Ephesians and Romans 12. And what I'd like to do this morning is invite each of us, um, I think it lends itself a little more to what I'm asking. I want us to read this aloud together in one voice, unified, that we live out the most excellent way because within us, within the body of Christ, amongst us, moving us, is the Spirit of God. So, I'm going to invite you to stand right where you are. I'm going to invite us to read aloud together, nice and slow, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4, 5, and 6. And then the invitation song will be sung. Uh, this morning, Mike Marshall, one of our shepherds, will make himself available in the back. I will make myself available up front this morning if there's a need of any kind that this church can help with. Of course, that's not the only time to respond to God's word. I will be around. One of our elders will be around, of course. And I want to encourage each of us to take what God is calling us to be.
who he is calling us to be, not only as individuals, but as the body of Christ to live out the most excellent way. Let us read aloud together. There is one body and one spirit, just as we were called to one hope when we were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let's sing, Luke.